covering all your favorite parts of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Heilman and Jim Bernier. Welcome in, fans of the 50-Yard Fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast. Zach Kyleman introducing you all in to our latest edition of NAL Rebound a little bit later this week, but that is okay. Just wanted to get a few more details for some things that were going on this past week. But yes, we have brought you in to the Week 7 edition of NAL Rebound. As we talked about this previous week on our game day episode, three games on the docket. Uh, some unique things going down, uh, some interesting results, uh, but nonetheless, a fun slate of football that we'll be discussing in full, of course, right now. Bringing in, of course, my co-host. Let's come on, bring him on to the scene as always. The man of the hour, the man that does these wonderful graphics, the man that's the uh, guy on the phone, the Adam Schefter of the NAL, I'm going to start call- calling him. It is Jim Mernier. Yes. Jim, good to have you on, buddy. Ah, uh, Yes, uh, sorry to the fans who've reached out to us about where's our show uh do apologize uh our schedules were conf- conflicting a little bit and also there's just so much news happening around league we couldn't really drop a show without knowing most of the stuff that's coming out but yeah it's week seven um no drama as usual kidding no, no totally it's been <laughs> it's been a chill week it's, in the it's nal been, it's been it's been chill uh it's a lot of interesting things there's a you know a lot of stuff we could talk about this week um but we also have three games to cover um we did a little bit of a different thing that of this time around with the uh, highlights i had a good suggestion uh from a colleague and i think it will be a grand slam for it because it will not just be on this show also be on our facebook and twitter as their separate videos uh so hopefully you get a kick out of it when it plays while we break it down some of these games but yeah, interesting week seven. I was in attendance in the Shark Tank uh, this past weekend. Place was rocking. Um, Sam came and shined, and Mark L. Quaid shined. Um, yeah, um, it was an f- exciting weekend. Some great action around the league as well. West Texas is getting bigger, uh, better in my opinion. Um, and again, San Antonio fights fire with fire, and this time. It works on their end. Sometimes it burns you. Sometimes it, you burn everything else. Um, and also, you had the intriguing issue up in Fayetteville where the Carolina Cobras went down to Fayetteville and claimed the big first victory of the Carolina Rumble. So week seven was full with some ups and downs, some great highlights, um, some massive hits, and also some very predictable finishes. You could say, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be here. Week seven's in the here. Um, thank you for joining, ladies and gentlemen. Remember, join our Discord, join our Facebook page at In Walls and Pods, and we'll follow us, like us, click the bell, Bill's morale. That's on YouTube. I'm screwing that up. But, anyways, um, yeah, you know where to go. But, anyway, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> No, you did. You did right. So you got got to click the bell when you're doing when you're subscribing. Obviously, at In Walls Pod for our social media. If you want to keep up with the latest, Jim's been you know re, re, have been fire firing out rapid fire the any late latest news on our Facebook or our Twitter in particular. Um, jump on our Instagram if you want to get for of course episode releases too. Uh, but you know, stay tuned, stay plugged in for in for inside the walls for all the latest from the NAL. And you know, I think a lot of a lot of items from this past week um, are, of course, coming up 
unfortunately in a few recent day recent days we'll talk about this in another segment um because i can only talk so much about certain drama at this point just because i'm trying i really am trying to keep like a mental sanity about some of the stories so we'll do storylines so we'll just leave it alone but in terms of game observations uh real quick week seven um honestly i think i think at least two I'll think I'll say that two of these contests were surprises to me in terms of the outcome, mainly because of I just was expecting either I was expecting opposites, quite frankly. Carolina, I was expecting a close. I was expecting a much closer score. The opposite could be set out in West Texas, which is a good thing for West Texas. I, I gotta give them props for such a hard fought contest and for having the gunslingers have to play their brand of ball, which is defense, and you gotta get in the mud with them and you gotta you know kind of stick it out, but. Carolina, I didn't see that coming. Um, I personally thought it was going to be closer. The only game that I thought that was coming was somewhat predictable was really the events going on in the Shark Tank on Saturday. I didn't think that Albany was going to walk out of there with a win. Um, that one was a. I'm not. I'm like, eh, I'm not surprised at all. But the other two was like closer affair or affairs. I didn't think would be expected. I guess. Um, I'm trying to make a general observation before I jump into our Carolina rumble discussion. Cause I have, I have a lot to talk about with some coaching decisions in that game. I don't understand certain things that coach Gunnings was doing and I'll hold off to talking that until I hear what you think about this past week. What I thought about this past week is three narratives that stood out to me. Um, Jacksonville is back. Um, their offense with Sam, is just as explosive with Connor. Um, we have a reemergence of a no, not reemergence, a a potential superstar breaking out in Tamorian Terry in Jacksonville. Uh, he yeah. made some great highlights this past week. Um, that's the loudest I've heard the arena in Jacksonville for a long time. It's almost I can say about crowd atmospheres. You go to games if it's NBA or NHL or the NFL where a team's coming in and they were the top dog, but you know, there's blood in the water. It's time to swarm and really, you know, capitalize. You felt that in that arena when the ball, when toe hit leather, Jackson will just stormed all over the field and just, you know, obliterated Albany um, because it was there. It was right for the taking for them out West San Antonio finds a way to continue to win. And, that's good. Winning solves all your issues. Like, uh, like there's a saying out there, winning cures all your pains. But it once does. you start losing, those pains will start coming very notable. Yes, San Antonio has some issues. If you talk to some San Antonio fans, they don't, they don't think they have issues. And they have a good squad. They have a good team. Um, but the two te- the two better teams in this league, they escaped both games by one point. Those two teams have gotten better since the first time they played each other. So that we- that's what I'm going to wait to bring up. Is, yeah. uh, you, you can- know, this is a, and not 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 to not to test West Texas, but you know, I'm just saying it's two weeks in a row where you've had defensive you've had defenses kind of just essentially slow this down to like a stalled traffic state mm-hmm. that the gunslingers have been in. And that does, like I say, that doesn't bode well because I'm with you. I'm looking at Jacksonville who's coming up this week. 
it's a home game in San Antonio, first one in well over a month. Yes. But that doesn't inspire confidence that I'm going to see that offense all of a sudden kick into a fifth gear again. Because yeah. that's been a, it's been a few weeks now. It's that been, I haven't it, seen that type of offense over with the gunslingers, actually. That was one of my observations is the inconsistency of San Antonio. Yes, they were scoring points. They did enough to win that game, but they needed, again, a big-time two-point conversion stop to hold on to a victory. They've needed a missed field goal, extra point. They needed a, a two-point conversion no good against Carolina and a two-point conversion no good against uh, West Texas. I know a lot of San Antonio fans may be listening to this show, but honestly, as a person who sits back and watches from the distance, you're three plays away, three right. plays away and being two and three. Well, I, can, I can hear it now. Oh, you're cheapening their wins. It's yeah, like, I'm not talking. Hang on now. They're 5-0 and for a reason. They are finding right. ways to win. This team last year was finding those games and losing them, so they have learned to find those games. Like I've been saying the last couple of weeks, you find fire, you fight fire with fire. Right now, they're fighting the, the fight and they're winning. That ball eventually will bounce the other way. It's going to happen. You, you like West Texas almost did it. Fayetteville, uh, they just shut down Fayetteville. But ja they close in Jacksonville and they were close in Albany and they were close in Carolina. But they're finding ways to win. Like I, I was talking to uh, one of the colleagues over in San Antonio about my high school days and Ed White. We went six and four. Uh, my one of my years, I think it was my sophomore or junior year. We went six and four. Six of those wins were by three points or less. Mm -hmm. Our four losses, we were blown out. We made the playoffs that year. We played against the one seed. They had they won ten games that season and they blew everyone out. They were in the fourth quarter with us in one possession game. They folded because they weren't used to tight games because they, they, they weren't playing us. We were loose. We were six and four. We were just happy to be there. We knocked off the number one team in the playoffs. I think they were like number three ranked team in the state that year. Um, that was our Super Bowl. We, we were on, we, next week. We came uh, next week when I think to the four or five scene, we got our doors blown off. We didn't care. We knocked off the number one team in the state. But right now, that is San Antonio. They're finding ways to win and they're building that character that they can, if it's a tight game in the fourth quarter, they've been there and teams that are not used to playing those tight games, they, San Antonio won't fold. But sometimes you can't trust that because you will go up against a team who makes that crucial stop or turns that pivotal turnover into a score. Late in that game, West Texas stopped San Antonio and got the ball back and like, oh, if they score here, this is a game. But what happens? San Antonio stops them and gets the ball right back. Well, Texas is in to capitalize. One eventually, a team's going to capitalize on that crucial turnover, and all of a sudden the game's flipped. But right now, if I was a San Antonio fan, I'm doing this all day, or this. I don't know how much. So you're doing five. You, you know, all I would say the one that day. works right there. I mean, yes, it's um, the reverse of the camera. <laughs> like, look. I'm I'm just I'm just saying that that was the surprise that was the surprise result to me. I mean that and that, that can you can look at that both ways. Like I said, you know, West Texas has, has been getting incrementally better. You know, yes. they have added more pieces. They've been doing fine tuning all year. It's been basically like they've been working on a project car over there for yes. now seven weeks, and that's just how they've been doing. And credit, they're still within striking distance. Um, a lot of that comes down to just I think 
you have some adjustments with Orlando. I've got my own, like I said, I'm going to rip into Fayetteville this week because I think they knee, they kneecap themselves to me against yeah. Carolina. That's what I'm going to lead in with. And, uh, it, when we'll do this in a second, but you know, West Texas, you got to give them props and we're not going to say anything about this yet, but there might be a move that does help them. Um, well, they got additions coming their way. They got Donovan right. Raspberry, Cornelius Lewis. Heading well, yeah, there. those, I so mean, yes, it. because those are meant, those we're going to bring up and you already mentioned. No, they're, they're Oh, you're talking There's about there's another the other, one. I don't yes, want to mention yeah, yet because yeah, we yeah. had to wait, but if this one does happen, a, um, I'm glad that because I was hoping it would have earlier in the year, mm-hmm. but B, uh, then, yeah, I mean, that, that changes things and, uh, there's some good components over there. So, you know, we'll, we'll hold off, obviously holding off, but I'm hinting, hinting at something, uh, you'll have to see probably comes out later this week if I were to guess. So, uh, probably, yeah, I mean, I, I would think you, you know, more than I do, but I would assume that's what it would happen. They, they also got Mitch kid over there or Dan, Me, you know, no, so I mean, you do. I'm not even going to, I'm not even lying, but we'll, we'll wait and see. Anyway, let's dive into like, let's dive fully into games. Carolina rumble coming up first. I've been saying enough and I, I have the most to say about this particular contest. It's that simple. Um, Jim, I, I want to hear that your thoughts. I don't understand the coaching decision mm-hmm. of starting James Summers over Akeem Cato because there's no basis for it. Yeah, here comes our top 10 video. My bad. I forgot about the audio. (laughs) (laughs) My bad. I mean, I like like the intro too, but like, damn. Uh, Anyway, look, I don't understand the decision. I don't know enough about the decision. I do want to ask some of the players we know over there or someone over there we know that maybe has some insight because the way Trey Long and and us were talking in in our game day coverage, was this this was still Rakeem Cato's team, and I've had some folks bring up that yeah, you know maybe he's injured, but I want to pivot. I want to come back on that saying, well, why did he play a full game two weeks prior against San Antonio? So to me, that comes off as Coach Gunning's company said you're benched, and they benched him for James Summers. No problem if James Summers is your backup QB, your emergency relief guy, your person you go to if you are desperate i think in terms of a qb because he can play but his talents are better off served in the receiving the ball or in the secondary and they to me kneecap themselves from getting a crucial win at home this is a this is a two and two team that if cato's in and you saw he came in because of summer's getting knocked out he leads a touchdown drive and then the next possession he gets replaced with James Summers. So clearly something's up there, but it's the wrong decision. I, I want, I'm going to want to, I actually, I purposely want to go ask around about this because I am baffled that that was the choice. They completely, they completely downed themselves and out before they had a chance. And they were somewhat competitive for about a quarter and a half, but James is not the more talented quarterback and it ruined it for them. Carolina, they are here. They are the they are the de facto two, possibly vying for one, depending on how things are going right now with the standings and power rankings. But I still Fayetteville. This game is so much better if you have the if you have the correct quarterback starting. I don't understand the thought process. It completely, to me, it ruined what could have been a much more fun contest 
because I think the wrong quarterback was on the bench. I agree with you. Um, when the game started, uh, I was surprised. I think we were all in the chat together at the time. Like, why is Cato uh, starting? Then I reached out to a couple of uh, players and coaches, and uh, mostly just players. The coaches never got back to me. Um, and the vibe I'm getting, the the, the 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 thing I'm getting, it's Cato was injured, wasn't playing 100 percent and other one other things i was getting like he missed a practice or he didn't show up to practice so i can't really confirm what happened but usually when you see stuff like this happen it doesn't matter if it's the nfl college football or high school or any professional level a starting quarterback of that caliber not playing a game screams discipline to me for some odd reason it just screams like he got you got benched because you didn't do you know, team activities or your cost of the team games. And Cato's not. Cato's been actually, you know, winning a lot of games for them. And this was a crucial game for them. Now, am I saying that that is the reason why he was benched? No, because I can't confirm it and I can't get a hold of people who could tell me. But usually when that happens, when you see the, out in the realm of college and NFL, players who get usually benched are players that usually uh, – Missed team activities, misconduct, um, cost bad turnovers probably. I don't know. But this game was when Summers came out, and Summers has experience as a quarterback. He did it at Carolina last year. And he did it, I think he was High County, I want to say, was the other team he was with. He played quarterback before, and he played quarterback at East Carolina at one time. He has that talent. But when your team, like Fayetteville, is at its peak performance, when its offense is at, uh, when we saw like in week two or week one and week three, that offense is just deadly with those weapons. Summers was there, okay, was fine, and early in the game was pretty competitive. It was 14-14. But eventually, Carolina's defense, who was, this whole, the whole entire game was swarming, Summers didn't have any time in back there to read anything. He did a couple passes where blown coverage happened, but majority of the game, Carolina was just swarming him. And turnovers happened. Uh, one of the top ten plays is a, a scoop and score um, for uh, that from that game. And Fayetteville got behind the eight ball. And when they got behind about two scores behind uh, Carolina and Cato didn't come in, it felt like, they were self-sabotaging a loss in this game. And there's too much talent on that Fayetteville team to not have Cato play. Um, and when he came in, he let the team down to, like a quick touchdown drive. I'm like, okay, then maybe he, you know, is dealing with injury or could have, you know, you know, dehydration or whatever. Stuff can happen. Speculation. but Very much speculation. But uh, it, it, it's just – it's very up because we had Trey Long on and we had Cato on a couple of weeks ago. And both these gentlemen are very positive about Cato. So I think it, for me, I think it was something that had to do with team activities or something happened in practice or something. That's the reason why there was a switch or coach Gunnings thought James Summers would have been better against Carolina and I could, you know, tell Coach Gunnings, um, you're basically playing the same team because the guys who are on your team played for that team last year. They know you. They know your tendencies because 
those guys practiced with your guys all last year. So if that was the strategy, that's a bad strategy. Now you're two and three and you're two and a half games behind the two seats. So if you're trying, your goal is trying to get a pull in playoff game, that's not a way you do it. It's bench your starting quarterback because you, you think you have a, a, you know, maybe a strategic advantage in some position from a team who literally is the carbon copy from the Carolina Cobras last year because they were all the teammates last year in Carolina. So yeah, it, it baffles yeah. my mind and, Congratulations, Carolina. They went there, executed Malik Henry, played an excellent game. Adam Smith returning kickoffs, as usual. He's guaranteed won the game now. And, uh, oh, yeah, uh, well, you have to say, uh, the one-man band showed out again this week um, as oh, well. Wow. The, one, the one thing I do like about Carolina, and you knew this game was going Carolina's way when everyone on that team saw the field. Yeah. Carolina is, and this is why I'm going to, I'll say this right now. It is, uh, they are the de facto, they are one of the de facto teams that I am going to be eyeing for seeing come August, uh, wherever it's going to be held in the National Rally Championship. Uh, at least I, I have pretty high confidence right now. There's three teams, I think, as after this week. I have no question in my mind. I think it's going to come down to those three, and then we'll see who's playing one of the three as a four seed is how I'm looking at it right now. And Carolina is one of them that's in that top three. Team effort all across the board is great. Malik Henry, you know, consistent as ever, moves the offense Mm -hmm. efficiently. Their run game is the best in the NAL right now. Uh, they got two, a two-headed and two-headed monster with Kevin Voiles and Zach Brown. Both of them can cause damage. That's the thing. You don't even have to lean on Brown anymore. Right. You can do whatever you want with both of them because they're able to be finding lanes and are bruising. Nyquan Murray coming out this game. That is an excellent addition to that receiving core. He made his presence very well known. That's only going to continue to be made well known as he keeps building back up Rappaport with Henry, who again, as you know played with him in Jacksonville last year. So good to have that addition. Of course, Adam Smith being Adam Smith still. You got Lance Evans, of course, on, on the other side too. They got options for offense. Defensively, though, this is what I keep getting impressed every week it is they've gotten better and better on that side of the ball. And it's different players each week. This week, it was the Kenny Veal show. Kenny Veal was all over the field. And that's not a takeaway from previous weeks, but like this week in particular, like how last week it was Mike Green's time to shine. Mm-hmm. Kenny Veal took the spotlight from Mike. It was his time to come onto the turf and make make and wreck havoc. And of course, you got to give credit to the front line. They were causing havoc too. Summers, he is a mobile guy, but he's not, I would say he's not as, as uh, shifty as Rakeem Cato is. And they made him pay when it came to a few possessions there, just kind of stalling out drives. But Kenny Veal, my God, he was all over the place causing havoc, getting, getting turnovers, pickoffs, if you will. Um, hell of a player, as we have always known, uh, but another show-out performance from him, of course, this week, and we have to highlight that as well. Um, my final thoughts with Fayetteville, and then we can move on. Um, and sure, your context, if anyone is mentioning mispractices, that instantly is a red flag to me, where if that is the case, again, speculative here, but if that is the reason, that makes way more sense to me than saying that it is a strategic choice. I can also somewhat believe injury. However, 
it's been two weeks since his last his last game, and yeah, from the looks of things and credit, I can only assume from based on video, and not to mention we were talking with Trey, and Trey implied this as well. He was fine. So to me, I am only going to assume off speculation that it might be a disciplinary thing because I just don't understand if it was a strategic thing. That is not the better quarterback. That That's what kills me still because that game, 72-34, there's no way that this is almost a 40-point blowout if you put Cato in because some of those are off turnovers. Some of those are off miscues. You know, I I just don't see that. I, I think this is much closer. And we'll figure out what happens this week. They're going to go up to the Capital Region. They got a week to, uh, well, deal with another team that I, I almost don't want to talk about <laughs> about the Empire because it just how much gets talked in the community anymore. But we're going to do it. But they get a week to, I guess, work on things, kind of. <laughs> That's kind of the early lead-in. We'll see how that plays out. But good kudos. Carolina, the Cobras, they're they're here to stay. That's another reaffirming win. Uh Fayetteville, three losses to the top three teams. So at least uh right now, sturdy sturdy in the four spot, but uh gotta make sure you keep that four spot if you want to have a playoff game. That's uh all I can say. <laughs> yeah, uh, I agree. Um but what's strange thing about this league is you are two and three right now. You're still the four seed. So technically you're the words of a certain person in our discord, the Lords of the muck. So yeah. um, that's right now you're the four seed. So they have the advantage early still, but again, the three teams that they lost to so far this year are all the teams above them in the standings. Um, but yeah, it's for Fayetteville. Again, we don't know what really happened uh, to um, Cato, but an overall observation is that's a key piece that I have there when you're competing against uh, teams like Carolina, um, so, uh, Carolina, Jacksonville, and San Antonio um, to if you want to push for that four because there's two other teams below you that have reloaded over the last couple of weeks that will be making a run at that four. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll be, I mean, I, I think the one we're going to talk about here in the battle, of the empires in that regard, mm -hmm. um, it's funny. They still were very much active in this race, but I just don't know what to expect anymore is what is crazy. And uh, we'll dive into this right now, at least the game itself. Then we'll talk about a few things going on because I just, it's just, uh, it's endless news at this point. Mm -hmm. You You can clearly hear my frustration because I'm almost getting tired of talking about how much this how much we are having to talk about the capital region being shifted around is the best i can put it um game itself obviously you were in attendance so you'll have a lot more in depth but my analysis is clearly an overwhelmed one i would say a one-sided affair and i'll give credit to albany for keeping it with keeping it within two scores going in a half without a doubt but this was definitely one-sided um clearly you have a, a Sharks team that is loaded in a lot of spots is Jason Gibson's full team. He is fully comfortable with the guys that he is, has surrounded him with. And the upgrades he got from Albany have, I think, have helped exceed expectations even more so. Because, yeah, Sam Castronova is playing at his MVP-esque level self. But Markel Wade, have yourself a mm -hmm. day, man. I mean, pick not only touchdown pat 
touchdown catches and getting some receptions, but, you know, talk about an Ironman-esque type of performance. And this is something he's been working on in Albany. You know, last year, you know, he kind of he kind of came in, you know, he's more receiver type, but he worked on worked on some things in both sides. He was a dog and a performer for them. And he's come in talk about a great game for two-way players. Uh, I mean, you get a, you get a pick six, you get a few receptions on your on your end as well. Uh, you know, getting a touchdown one way and taking a pick six back the other. Got to get some props, you know. And then of course, uh, I can't say enough about the Tamari and Tony <laughs> leaping touchdown run, if you will. Uh, three TDs on the night. It's Cameron Solomon, 140 yards in his own pair. You know, I'll let you sum up even more in person stuff. But I mean, it's just very one sided affair and. I think, you know, I, I didn't know what to expect for the Albany. They got the right QB, I thought, you know, and they do. Jonathan Maine is a good QB, mm-hmm. but there's just a lot going on. And there's even still more going on that I'm holding off on because I want to hear about your time at the game. But how was your time? I heard you ran to the commissioner. I heard you ran to some folks. Got a lot of talkings and comings and goings of things, mm-hmm. you know, mingling with the crowd. <laughs> I was one with the people. Um, I am, uh, like to announce that I am running for president. Not, no, um, it's not, it's not like <laughs> that. That's a, a wide turn. <laughs> um, that's not uh, like that. Yeah. Vote for Jim for president where I, I will turn this country into a bunch of monk. Um, uh, pay he will bring back the Washington valor. If he's in DC, <laughs> he's guaranteed the valor are back. He'll go talk to Mike quarter real quick. <laughs> um, I, I am, I don't support that message. Um, even though I just said it, uh, the, like it, a lot of people look at these games and we see it as a sports thing. Like, Oh my God, I can't believe my team lost or, Oh my God, I can't believe, you know, my, this guy didn't perform. And we forget that these individuals are human beings. We forget that these individuals are fathers. They're trying to support their families or trying to pursue a career in the National Football League or any career field they want to be in. And at the end of the game, I had a chance to talk to multiple people, um, a good friend that I think is a good friend. Uh, he listens to the show. Uh, a colleague of ours that's been on the show multiple times. And to the fans of uh, Albany, and to the players and coaches that are most likely watching this, the the feeling at that game last night, or not really last night, but the past weekend, <laughs> past weekend, excuse me. There's two different sides of the story. Um, of course, there are two things that speak volumes about a game. And some of those volumes are how the game is presented. For instance, there's a difference when a team loses and a team is tired and they're worn out. I saw a bunch of players on that team on Albany that were physically, mentally, and emotionally drained. They came into the came into the shark tank and Within, I think you watched the game. Was oh, about yeah. about a quarter into the game, it, you could tell Albany did not want to be there, and Jacksonville just pounced on them. 
It certainly like, didn't feel that way. Yes. I, I, that's the best I can even put it, and that's nicely, you know. But the relationships that we've built on this show with a lot of players, um, one thing that we found out about these individuals is that they have love and a passion for this game because this is their NFL. This is their league. This yeah. is the. This is their home. And they don't like how they don't like how their home can get shaken every other week all of a sudden. Um, and from for my perspective, is the individuals I've talked to are now no longer with the Albany Empire. They're heading to West Texas. They're heading to Orlando. They're heading to Jacksonville. And of course, they're heading to San Antonio. I forgot about San Antonio because San Antonio did get a couple of guys. Oh, this game, yeah. well, like I even talked with Manas. He even he was like he was like, it took me seventy two hours to get this team together for West Texas. I got, I brought in additions, and we worked our butts off a week and a half to get ready for Jacksonville. Tip uh, hats off to Jacksonville. They capitalized, um, and Gibson outcoached me, um, and they were more prepared uh, than us. But sometimes when you look at teams, like we mentioned about Cato and Fayetteville, and like we mentioned in the past about certain situations that happen in other teams, like San Antonio's early issues last year, to have a successful organization that wins championships on the field, they must be a championship-caliber team off the field. Right now... Albany does not have either. And this week, they're going to play against against Fayetteville. There's a lot of wounds that got to be healed. And where I think we're going to have another deja vu of what happened in Jacksonville and what happened against West Texas. It's for the Albany fans, this is this is un this is unchartable territory for you guys. You guys are not loose to used to losing. You came into arena football dominating when you guys were, you know, introduced a few years ago. You've won three championships. You're used to kicking everyone's behind. Trust me, as Sharks fans, we've been through it. Um, they've now gone through four straight losses. That city has been ripped uh, of a championship contender within a couple of weeks. And it's hard for them as fans. But I'm going to tell you to the fans out there, keep believing in your team. There's always – the sun will always rise the next day. But last week's game in Jacksonville, if you were an Albany fan, most of you guys may have turned off the TV. You were sick of it. You're pointing fingers at uh, other people. But remember, the players on the field, the Baines, the Cornelius Lewises, the Hardys, the Maurice Leggett's of the world, the Cissés, the, Pier uh, the uh, Darius Princes, remember what they did to you guys up there in Albany. Championship caliber. You have a team in the city that can win championships. You're just going through a hard patch. But I just want to tell you guys right here from voices from many Albany players who have came to me. They didn't leave because of you guys. Oh, they no. Were like, no, they no, were, no, no. They were let go. <laughs> they never wanted to leave. A lot of these well, players love loved Albany. So remember that. For the, But for this past game... What happened in Jacksonville, I think, was the final, like, 
that 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 championship empire team is no longer there. I think there may be what one or two players there, but the <sighs> core are no longer yeah. there. Lewis all- would have been the main one left, and yes. he's now off to to different pastures. Uh, but as in well. this in this past game against Jacksonville, if someone told me this. I'm not going to mention his name. Keep his name out of it. This was a this was a closing of a chapter, and a new one will begin, and the new one will be much brighter in the future. And I believe when he says that, I really do. Hmm. But for the Albany fans, I'm going to be admit I may call Zach out on this because he can agree with me. We despised you last year because you kept winning and winning well, and winning. Well, okay, I, I. <laughs> I very much tried to play the straight man on that. Um, <laughs> let, me, let me put it out there. I'm not the one getting quotes on the jumbotron at the championship game or anything. Let's. Yeah, good point. Good point. Oh, <laughs> uh, but it, it, it it's pretty it's it's pretty awesome. Um, again, to that organ to to the past organization, the guys worked there that gave us opportunity to get our voices there. Um, but to the city, to the Albany fans. Get behind the new players there. They're going to find talented players. They're going to try and put a product out there that you enjoy. Don't trash. Don't abandon. Do not abandon. I know you might have disagreements of the ownership of what's going on, but remember, it's your team. And if this is your team, support it. So for the fans and the players that watched this past game this past week, that chapter has closed. A new chapter in Albany will begin. And for Jacksonville, they just showed me this past week Castronova with seven touchdowns, which he's being credited for six. He has seven. Um, seven passing touchdowns. Show that he still has it. He's still one of the top quarterbacks in the league. Bain, who comes off of, what, a couple of weeks of not playing, comes in, and it's Bain of old. old. For a couple of possessions, he was rock him and Daquan Patton. Or, or not was it Daquan Patton? Yeah, um, yeah. Patton, I was say him and Patton. Fabian Patton, Garrett did have a TD of his own. Young, mm-hmm. J- uh, mm-hmm. James. They were striking early. They were doing everything good. They were keeping up with Jacksonville. Jacksonville was just making plays after plays after plays. The thing that I like about this game about Jacksonville, which is something we haven't seen Jacksonville do in a few years, that's pounce on a team that's wounded and you put them out of their misery early. Jacksonville did that. Like, they saw, they, they, I know it's a Shark Tank theme. There was blood in the water, and they striked. And that's what they did. They they ended the game, like, this has been a a long time since I can look at the scoreboard and go, this game is over, and we're only, we're still 13 minutes left in in the third quarter. Now, I wasn't watching the stream. I don't know what was going on during the stream, but, there was, you know, some chatter, and maybe that sh- that type of chatter reached to the team of Albany. Maybe I don't know, but I could tell in the fourth quarter, Albany didn't want to be there. They were done. No, I mean it's the most decisive victory since week one, and even week one, you know that that kind of came up in the fact of trying to be more of a learning curve under with Connor Blount's first week and team's mm-hmm. first week gelling in live action. But no, this was the—it's definitely the most decisive victory of the season for them. 
Um, the Sharks, I, I think it makes it more intriguing for this coming matchup with San Antonio going on the road. Because again, we've we've talked. I this is right now uh, this is right now a full full roster. It's firing on all cylinders. Yeah. Um, you know, it's had close it's had close losses to to you know the gunslingers and to the Preds that you know it's put themselves behind the eight ball. But they do mm-hmm. get to play a revenge game just on the road this time, trying to play spoiler. Can't wait to talk about that contest this weekend. Yeah. Um, so that should be fun. Jacksonville is uh, back to being one of those scary teams in the league. They're fun. They are fun again um, to watch week in and week out. And that wasn't saying they weren't last last year. Last year they were, they were an offense that Jesus that volume. <laughs> last year, I mean, last year we knew. You know, we talked about them. They were an offense. They got to outrun you. You know, and you got to keep up with them. Or you got to make them slip up. This year, they, you, they can do slip ups and then go. Oh, hey, hey, we can now. We got even more talent on the opposite side. You know, like I said, we talk about receive. We talk about role players. I think that's key. You get stars that are receivers talent wise on the on the offensive side, but on defense, but on defensive side, in terms of like some Iron Man guys, you know, right. I love it when I see you know Markel Wade make a play. Stoshak, he is uh, he is very much. I think uh, I think he loves to go hit people. I, I look for him every time the Sharks play because he loves hitting guys. It, 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 he gets fired up. And then, of course, Gorman, you know, brought in as a specialist. He's been paying off. He keeps on his upward trend after last year's season with the Empire as well. And I don't find many flaws right now with what the Sharks have done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I love it. I really I love to see it. The Shark Tank, you know, 7,500 in attendance. It was, as you were talking, very loud you know it was it was a ruck it was a rowdy game and that's just from someone watching on their telecast but it was a great crowd great atmosphere as always and those guys i think they know this is a special team that gibson's put together uh they got the coat they got the coach they got the player personnel now they just got to take on two other teams that you know they've got their own secret sauce and it's going to be a dogfight up top I think we are now closer after this week. I wanted to see what Fayetteville could do, but I think, Jim, we are at that boundary of the separation Saturday coming up pretty soon between the top and the bottom. It still is kind of there. Fayetteville's two and three, Mm -hmm. and sure, they got a reasonable matchup with Albany next week, given all things considered, but it does feel like that is slipping away the more we've gotten into the year. I think we might see that this week, too. Um, coming up with a few of these key matchups. My my final thing, I this is my last note on Albany, because I am going. I am that guy that I'm with you on saying, yes, please support this team. But I, I'm also going to put out a caveat here because I don't know. I actually don't know if ownership from Albany, the current one, does listen. I know the previous did or do still. Um, but I, I just got to ask, like, what what is the threshold for patience? I, I think that's the next thing I am going to bring up because. I, kudos to the guys that are still, you know, as a uh, new head coach uh, for the Empire, Pete Porcelli said in the Times Union, they're upbeat for the guys that are staying. That's great. Um, but how much, how much tolerance, or not tolerance, how much, I would say, patience do you have? Because that, that's, what's, that's what it's coming down to. You know, I, I, you can't run an organization where every week you are going to be essentially cracking the whip and going, all right. Everyone get the hell out. That that's not that's not gonna just stow confidence in anybody. And I guess that's my message here is I'm I support I want the Empire in this league. I still do. 
I like the brand. I like the players. The community in particular, the community is the reason I I keep fighting for this team. But I mean, you you just gotta chill out. Let 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 people be. You know, you I don't care if AB's playing this week. I'm happy that we're gonna get some publicity with that and he gets to be on the field. Cool, whatever. You know, but you just gotta chill out. You know, let let this produce. I I, I almost wanna hit the like you know the movie click it you ever watch that one jim adam sandler flick you know he's got the tv remote he can kind of use it for whatever i almost just want to be and i know in the movie it's not a good idea but in this case for the empire i'm almost like all right just just hit the fast forward button let's just get to the off season and see what's happening you know and and sure that's kind of hard for me to say we're not even halfway through the year but i don't know what's coming up next week for them like what, what happens if they lose to the Fayetteville, you know, and that's why I'm kind of like stressing, like, let's have some, like, if you, if, if owners are listening to this show, if any ownership part of this is listening to the show, just chill. The, I could say even more severe phone, but just chill the hell out. Okay. Just, just, just let this play out. Okay. You, you are, you tore apart a championship roster. You already did that. We all know that happened. You, you are a ground. You are bare bones. You, you cannot keep tearing bones off a of bone you're just making dust so you gotta chill out this week you gotta let coach Purcelli and company do their thing you bring in you're gonna be bringing a new quarterback or well you're gonna be bringing a quarterback that was here previously but still new to the game it's gonna be rough you gotta chill out you are not going to get a winning team this year right now mm-hmm. you might struggle bus it to four given how it feels like that four spot is just kind of up for grabs right now, unless some teams get their act together, but you're going to struggle bus. You need to let it play out. I've been wanting, this is like one of my other things I wanted to get, get and say on this show, because I, I do not have the mental capacity every week to see a team get ripped apart or have new pieces get thrown out to the curb or have people leave and come out again and credit Manas did resign. That was his choice. We all follow the ownership, you know, we know who we're talking about on social media. There's no confidence when you're saying stuff that's going new, this new, that new, everything let's who wants to come play like <laughs> chill the hell out. That's all I want. Just, just chill the hell out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Everything's going to be fine. Just get through the season. If you're dead serious, reset next year, just get through the year, build yourself back up and chill the hell out people just be a normal team for like one for maybe two weeks or so. I don't know. A few weeks. Can you give me one week? Just one week where I don't have to hear about something bad that players and fans have to deal with. That's all I'm asking. Just be a normal franchise for a week. That's all I ask. Well, I'll, I'll add on to this. Uh, they're right now. West Texas and Orlando are clear-cut two teams that are, with the additions they have now, are going to be competing for that four. I don't think Albany gets anywhere near the four. I think where they're at right now, they're going to be there all season. And if I was Albany, take your losses now, finish the season, get your fans back, Put a good product on the field. If you win a couple games here and there, yes, make it exciting. But right now, the fans want consistency. That's the that is the narrative I am hearing 
from a lot of fans who listen to our show, people who reached out to me and Zach, who we talked to, they want consistency. They know that they can't get some of their favorite players back. They understand that. But they do love their team, and they want to support the team, but they will not support a team that's currently always in massive turnover each and every week. Well, and here's an example. Okay, I'll, I'll give you this. I like, and given it's a new ownership and the way that some exchanges have been made mm-hmm. with the process of changing over, I, I like what I've been seeing where it's like, oh, hey, look at these like uh, random drops of like, here's a community group for free tickets. Like that's been happening this week. I've seen that. And I'm like, that's pretty cool. Okay, you know, let's get some folks in and just have them enjoy a game and do that. But here's the deal. You got to let the team play and do its normal operations past that, though. You know, you can't, like, that's why I'm stressing, you can't every week, like, maybe not fully say this, but, you know, hint that things might have to change or hint that, mm-hmm. you know, security of jobs isn't there. Like, just let it play out. If you want to do this guerrilla marketing stuff that you're doing, which I have no problem with because you're basically trying to build up goodwill and getting folks in the building to support the team and say, oh, hey, I haven't been to an Albany game in a while. That's fantastic. But just chill out, you know, get to the get through the season, figure things out as they go, because currently right now there's a lot on this group's plate that Mm -hmm. either needs to be tackled or is being pushed off because we're midseason. We really don't have time to work on stuff right now. Correct. Don't make your plate that much harder by having player personnel issues or having to deal with coaching personnel issues. I'll give you one thing. I'm glad I'm glad Ben Bennett didn't leave at least that there's some stability in terms of that coaching staff beyond just Pete Purcelli, not no offense to him, but you are at least going to have your offensive coordinator. (laughs) So that's a nice piece. At least you're going to have some stability there. Uh, A guy that's been there a few weeks, you're going to have most of your roster still there. So there's no mass mass cuts or anything there there's trades obviously but i mean i just want i just want a chill week i I think maybe i'm maybe i'm getting this is me just getting beyond the point of trying to restrict myself and i'll stop after this i will i promise but i think i'm just speaking for a lot of people where i'm just like i just don't want to read another thing about something that we're all gonna complain about because you know what this season's been awesome and i'm so upset now that we have had so much of the oxygen taken out of the room because of just things not settling down, you know, just, just have one week. Give me one week where we can just talk about the whole league and the football in the whole league. That's all I'm asking for. Cause uh-huh. it's, it's getting very hard for me to not just sit and chill out every week and enjoy football. So it's, it's aggravating, it. it's frustrating for us because we're basically the voice of the fans. We hear the fans' voice from all from all seven organizations and the mascot. Um, we hear their voices, and we're, we're translating or summarizing so many people's voices to express on this show, so the owners can hear what is happening to the fan, what the fans think, and the narrative is. You mentioned it. And I just mentioned the narrative is there. There is a fan base in Albany that loves their team. That they're losing faith. So. They're losing faith of it because there there's no consistency. God, yes. God bless those people, man. I mean, yes. I did. I, I the diehards of that team. Hats off to you. You've had you've had so much to go through this yes. year 
whether it was whether it was uh instigated purposely or not that's all i can tell you but they are some bright spots on albany sides fabian guerra young Patton, like those are and they're getting carrie starks over from west texas in a trade there are some that's so surprising to me that he's that that was part of the deal and yeah they lose cornelius lewis but man yes it's a nice Um, one coming back your way they're getting it they're getting a good addition so there are some bright spots in the dark time um what the commissioners said in the tweet when people see chaos i see light um so talking with the commissioner and seeing like seeing his belief um i support what's going on um right now you think that's chaos but i can see the light and I've talked to so many players, fans about the situation, and the narrative of all of them are the same um, all around. It's they love the city of Albany. There's just things that will just you know that cause them to leave. They would have never <laughs> left Albany by themselves. Um, that's a lot of the narrative I'm getting from a lot of the players. They still love the city. It's not because of you guys. It's just a business. And sometimes they, you have to follow what the business tells you to. Um, but there are bright spots in Albany. And eventually the empire will be rebuilt again. And they will go back to their dominant ways. But right now, uh, I saw one of our fans saying that Rome is burning. Yes, Rome is burning. But the fires are getting put out slowly. Mm-hmm. Stick with your team. You got some great talent. Um, there's other rumors of additions coming your way over the next couple of days. Um, that will make you guys uh, pretty happy. And you, you might have to take a couple of uh, losses this year that you're not expected to, um, but get to the offseason, reevaluate, and come back in 2024 um, and compete. Right now, for Albany's sake, is uh, for the fans, don't boycott. Go to the arena. Support the fans or support the team. Support the players. They love when the crowd is packed. Um, they love your energy. They love your uh, attention. They love your fandom. Don't abandon the players. I, I beg you, don't abandon the players because you weren't, you didn't do that when uh, Manas was there and uh, Cisse, Prince, Nova. Mm-hmm. Um, give those, give the new guys uh, a chance and support them as you support your former players. So, overall. It was a good, it was overall, it was a dark week for one city uh, in week seven, and it was a bright and high expectations there coming now in Jacksonville. Um, right now, the vibe in Jacksonville, as I was there, um, it's championship type of vibe. They, they, we, there's a feeling that this team is good enough to go on a run here and go after the championship, but there are two teams in our way so far in the standings. Uh, in our way, and that's Carolina and San Antonio, which next week's matchup, which is crucial, which is the inside the walls game of the week, ladies and gentlemen, next week. Uh, the Jacksonville Sharks and the San Antonio Gunslingers are week eight game of the week. It would be hard not to pick that one. Yes, it, I know. It, that's the truth. And I think this is a great time to get, move on to our final game of this past weekend, which was the battle for Texas, which I think... If I'm speaking for myself, at least, I did not see 
the way of the outcome coming about. I, I saw the outcome happening. I, I, mm-hmm. I did expect the Gunslingers. They were, they are overall a more talented roster to pull this out. Go to the Hector, Hector County Coliseum, and go to, or the Hangar. You know, if you want to call it that way, and get a win. Uh, I did not expect it to be that tight. And I, I yeah. think that's what is the main sticking point. It, or the bigger question is, which which stands out to you more? West Texas's effort the Saturday night or the nature of how close it was for two weeks in a row now for San Antonio? Because, or, well, two games in a row now for San Antonio. Because that, that, to me, is I, I think is what kind of prevails here. Um, as I mentioned, the Warbirds, it's like, it's like basically a, uh, it's like basically you're working on your project car right now. Co- Coach, Coach Smith and his staff, they have been constantly tuning this roster throughout the season, which they actually just did even more. I didn't expect Kerry Starks to be part of that tuning for a trade, but for things they need, Cornelius Lewis is a big need, so I ain't complaining. It is, uh, to me, a fair trade across both ways for players. So they did a, it's a solid one. Um, nonetheless, though, two point affair just need a little more oomph on the other side, on the offensive side of the ball. That they they haven't been able to fully find their identity defensively. I think more so now after their last contest against Albany. I think that they are finding that more and more. You know, Savante Davenport and Trayvon Shorts have been able to anchor this defense really well in their positions. Now, Kerry Stark's moving on. That'll change things. But Cornelius Lewis, as we have known, can be a ferocious two-way player. So they do get someone that has quality, I would say quality production on both sides of the ball. So they're going to be formidable. Offensively, we know they got Jalen Childress and that they've been trying to figure out what can make it for something that's more I would say hitting it in the first ge- into fifth gear that rather than stop and start or stalling out the transmission, I'm using carbon references because I might as well just continue and do it right now. But <laughs> that's simply what's going on. Albany, or Albany, sorry, this is what I get for talking about them this long. You could tell my brain is melting for how much I've talked about them this year. Uh, San Antonio, here's the thing: defensively, no shock. We've seen this two games in a row. Clearly, that has been holding things down because. Uh, there's been some inefficiencies now with this off with offensive production for the gunslingers. It's been kind of surprising. Um, interceptions, as we talk about with Arvell Nelson, they're the norm, but he threw two picks this game. And kind of, I mean, it was kind of all over the place for that sake. And now, as you see on the transaction wire, Philip Barnett's suspended next week. So even more questions. And credit, they they can find firepower, but you just lost your number two receiver and a big guy that plays two ways uh, for a crucial home game mm-hmm. next week. And in that's an ugly affair. I mean, I, I what, what do you think? Wh- which stands out more, West Texas or San Antonio's performance here? Because it's, it's hard for me to track which one I think you take away more as the bigger focus from this late and final contest from week seven. Well, uh, there's two things that uh, popped out to me. Um, West Texas performance and West Texas has been getting better each and every week. That just tells me that West Texas win in Albany a couple weeks ago wasn't a fluke, uh, that they didn't take the number one team to the wire again. Um, and also another thing that stood out to me in the in this game was uh, 
Kyle Rashad was very inconsistent, but he made big plays. Uh, and Robinson, who's on San Antonio, uh, had a, a crucial catch that could have been the game-winning catch or would have made the game blown wide open. He slips on the decal in the end zone, and the ball sails over his head um, to end the half. Um, and there was a couple of possessions there in the second quarter that San Antonio could have capitalized and blew this game away. Or, you know, not blow the game away, but got separation, but they couldn't right. uh, capitalize on that. And West Texas made plays uh, throughout the game to keep themselves in it. Um, but one of the things that was, that was crucial is Drew Pearson went out with an injury and he missed basically the most of the fourth quarter early in third. So they lost their deuce capability. So that really kept the game close. And also, Daniel Smith, who's um, who got released recently by the uh, West Texas Warbirds, didn't really have a bad game. He didn't call. He he played pretty solid game. Made a few mistakes, but wasn't those mistakes weren't you know, game changing to say the least. They were just sure. common, like a misread here and a misread there, but it wasn't like a pick six or anything like that. But I liked West Texas his performance. And the one thing I was really impressed about was the fan attendance. That was their biggest crowd of the season. There was a lot more energy in the building. I love that rivalry. And also the fans who travel from San Antonio to West Texas, they're about a group of 30 of them. We had an insider uh, literally an insider insider um, who uh, uh, don't tell anybody, but I think he stole the football from West Texas. Uh, um, uh, did I say that loud? I'm sorry. Uh, but, uh, uh, but it was a, it was a, I'm happy that there is a bus trip involved with two fan bases. And I think West Texas will do the same when they go to San Antonio. It happens in Jacksonville and Orlando. We have a bus that goes to both games. Um, that just makes me happy that we have traveling fans. It was a great atmosphere there. Um, of course, uh, Macho Man uh, Randy uh, Top Gunner was there. Um, <laughs> Best um, mascot in the league. I, um, I I have to have to keep praising that. And it's... one thing is, is that I think it was Smoking Guns podcast, and a lot of the, po- uh, the San Antonio fans were bashing, or they were joining Top Gunner and his antics with all the the bun slingers and stuff like that. But at the end of the game, when the, when there was triple zeros on the clock, I saw something that was surprising, a sign of respect. Like Top Gunner said, GG, shook his hand with the fans, and went on his way in San Antonio. And that just means a lot to me because we know it's a game, it's fun, it's entertainment, but we know at the end of the day, you know, we're just here – because of the game itself, it's not personal, and I really, pre- I really love that about that interaction with uh, Top Gunner. And Chum does the same thing, but he do- he's not very social on any media. Um, but this overall, this game, it felt like the first half, like this, like one of the top plays, number four, Nelson throws a dime to Barnett. That was typical Arvell Nelson on the money. He didn't have a pretty he – w- he wasn't Arvell-like this game. He kind of didn't 
play to his ability like we've seen Arvell in the past, especially with Jacksonville last year. He felt kind of sluggish. He made a couple of bad mis- uh, mistakes. He threw an interception early in the game. That kept West Texas in it. But my honest opinion, West Texas, I think, is a much improved team compared to what we've seen them in week one against Jacksonville. They're getting better. They got more additions coming. They're going to get even better after that. Um, they're going to Orlando this week, which is a crucial. We were talking about how it that is. how that four seed could be in play now. Um, the winner of that game will not be a front runner, but they'll be in the mix of that because we don't know what Fayetteville will do this weekend as well. But we'll see how they um, how they will improve as an organization or improve as a team. One thing I understand and one thing I found out and digging some information as to talking to some of my sources is that it seemed like West Texas completely changed their game plan when they played San Antonio. They completely did something completely new that San Antonio didn't expect. And West Texas stayed like that consistency throughout the game. Coach Tate did something that this week of preparation that caught San Antonio off guard. And it took San Antonio the entire game to realize what's happening. And that's why it was so narrow. But also, like we've mentioned last week, we're trying to make what this is, the Texas rivalry, the Battle of Texas. We're trying to make this a rivalry. It's a good way to have this game start as a rivalry because it came down to a deuce. If uh, I don't want to mess up his game. Is it Larray, the kicker? Uh, Lair. I, Lair. I, I, I thought Lair. Lair. I, I was wondering if Lair was going to hit, and he got a second chance. That was what's crazy to me. <laughs> yes, is they, you know, they had a they had a had a penalty going against the Gunslingers. Where I'm going, oh man, you know, we I know Lair can get it back there if you give him a second chance. He's just got to really nail it. Had the strength, didn't have the accuracy. That's the thing that's down. Yeah. And, and the thing with, uh, from what I understand, with the Ector County Coliseum is that it is one of those more shallow kind of like kicking scenario. You have to hit a line drive, and you saw it in his kicks. He had to basically, you have to hit line drives to get it down there. So mm-hmm. just couldn't get it nailed. I mean, I'll give give props to the, the Warbirds. You know, they, like I said, they came in with the right game plan. They they held the cards yeah. at, in the end. They, they were the ones that had their opportunities right there. Just couldn't come down with it. And, you know, got to take liquor wounds and go back. And again, you know, I, I'm going to keep using the analogy that it's like a project card. They've been basically tuning all year and this next contest we'll talk about for game day. You absolutely are right, Jim, you know, with a Preds team that got a week off to hopefully get tinker and work on their own aspects of their game, along with seeing if Joseph Hess is healthy or if they have to go with Jeff Legree Uh this week, because they haven't made any transactions and I don't think they will. It's kind of getting late to do that for a new quarterback. Um, They're going to, it's going to be a dogfight over there in Orlando. And they're gonna have some gonna have some interesting, uh, I would say, playoff implications, you know, to say the least. I want to talk so badly about what might be possibly a transaction coming up for the Warbirds. That's huge. Um, otherwise, though, without that being said, um, Smith was released, but Mitch Kidd, who is on that roster, someone that I was really thrilled to see get across the transaction wire, uh, is on there. I don't know how much of our audience watches or watched the FCF the last two years. Uh, Mitch, FCF is basically fan can run football, but it's essentially like, I call it pseudo arena football. It's 50 yard game, but it's not at all. what Like if you watched it, it would look alien to you if you're an NAL diehard. But basically this guy was playing at one of the top levels in that sport, in that league 
for the suit for the two seasons that was there. Um, he does have arena pro- principles and he's a good pickup. So if they run with him, I wouldn't have any qualms. I think that that's a, I think that that's an underrated signing that I wouldn't be surprised if he comes in and maybe elevates the offense a bit more than Daniel Smith, but to be determined, you know, otherwise waiting to see till the final transaction wire comes for one that we're waiting on to, you know, give proper talks about, but, um, for West Texas, you know, big week coming ahead for San Antonio, big week. And you talk about questions. I didn't bring up Drew Pearson, but not having Pearson there, you know, and I mean, it sounds like it's at least a game injury out from what some of the gunslingers folks we talked to are referencing. That's, that's a little unfortunate. I I mean, saying unfortunate is like underplaying it because he is vital to what the gunslingers are able to do. So too bad. And it's a guy you can't take back to your first home game in well over a month either. So another one lost along with Phil Barnett being suspended, at least for this game. I don't know how long the suspension will be, but he's at least done for this coming week. Uh, Given some instance that happened, I understand during the contest. Um, But for San Antonio fans don't need to worry about, Phil Barnett and Bemis. Uh, everyone's like, who's they're trying to find who their number three receiver was this past week, and they found him. That's Kadir Chisholm. Now, mm-hmm. Kadir Chisholm has to be the number two receiver. Uh, and the homeboy had 108 yards receiving uh, this past week with two touchdowns. Um, he needs to perform. But to really preview, like a little sneak preview of next of, of game day between Jacksonville and San Antonio. Um, this would have been a battle between key individuals. Uh, it's going to be Kyler Rashad taking on um, Cam Solomon. And then you got Kadir Chisholm taking on what's Maureen Terry, probably maybe Stoshak is the number two. And then you're going to have the two quarterback battles between Arvell and uh, Sam Castronova. But the key, the key that no one wants to talk about, we didn't mention about this yet, but the tra- it happened to transaction. Um, Drew Pearson is not playing. He could not be playing because of his injury. I don't know the official uh, word yet. He couldn't. Don't know yet. I don't, we will know pretty soon when we do game day. Um, but Jacksonville has a weapon now at kicker, and that is an NAL special team uh, award winner last year, and that's Marco Arasco for um, play for Albany. <laughs> Keeps getting better. <laughs> yes. Um, the guy is a deuce machine. Uh, in the words of a fellow uh, listener, a deuce god. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, um, but we'll preview that more. Um, but, again, there are a couple players. Like, I want to try and do this for week seven uh, shout-outs. We did the top ten. Um, we'll post that later in the week for the top ten plays of the week, probably the same time of the day. Uh, but there are a couple of players I want to give a shout out for having great performances this week. Uh, Kadir Chisholm, uh, receiver for San Antonio, uh, awesome uh, week. Also, um, again, I'm not going to to his horn. Markel Wade, Jacksonville, uh, two receiving touchdowns. He had to pick six as well. Uh, Sam Castronova was nearly perfect. Uh, he went 23 for 25 for 282 yards, seven touchdowns. It's not bad for his debut in Jacksonville. Uh, another individual I'd like to go out here talking to, uh, talk, talk, not talk to, I'll uh, mention, is uh, Vols uh, from Carolina. He had uh, two forced fumbles. He had a, 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 a scoop and score. He saw that in the top ten. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, Malik Henry 
had four touchdown passes this week, uh, over 300 yards passing as well. So there's other individuals in this uh, in this week that have done well. And, of course, uh, we can't mention a game. We can't mention a week without acknowledging the greatness that is Kali Rashad. Uh, yes, he may not have, you know, dominant numbers with touchdowns this past week, but he did have a total of 126 yards of total yards with receiving and kickoff returns. So he's still a lethal weapon. Um, but yes, again, with that. And also shout out to the big hogs um, in Jacksonville, um, Justin Renfro and David Gilbert. That was sacks machines galore this week. Um, uh, Dominic along Justin Alexander, and San Antonio had a big time uh, sack, early, uh, I think, early in the third quarter. That really changed the game. So you got to share love with uh, defensive players. Uh, Kenny Veal, again, um, yeah. a veteran that knows where to be uh, and shine and rock. Um, Childress for um, West Texas. Almost said Austin. I don't know why. Uh, Childress for West Texas. Uh, dominant perform. Well, not dominant, but then again, we kind of previewed it last week. It was a battle between the 5'8 receivers. Who's going to be the one that's going to shine? Um, they both played pretty darn well throughout the game. And even though he didn't have a breakout game, get, tip your hat to Adam Smith. Um, he is due to get a kick return um, every single game. I think the streak's now at three games. that He's did a kickoff return for a touchdown, so that's how lethal Adam Smith is. So there are some star players out there. And when this podcast drops, keep your attention on NAL.com, NationalArenaLeague.com, all their Instagram, Twitter accounts, because Ironman, Offensive Player of the Week, uh, Defensive Player of the Week are come out. I'm not going to leak anything out, but I think it's Sam Castronova, Kenny Veal, and Ironman might be a guy that plays in Carolina. So I'm not leaking anything out, though. But, yeah, that's what – uh. Um, possibly happen. And of course, and of course uh, how can I say it without saying it? We have to, this is a massive congratulations. We got to do it. I have to do it before we leave. Oh, sure. Um, he's been getting criticized and rolled through the, the coals by certain people that we know. Um, but Jason Gibson has officially won in the shark tank as a <laughs> member of the well, Jackson shark. Yeah. He won in the Shark Tank. It's his first win there, and it's actually his, uh, first, his second win, but as his first as a shark, though. Well, okay, but I digress. He, yeah. he first as a shark coach, um, and he actually he also gets his first win against Manas. Probably, and depending on how Manas's journey goes as a coach, that might be the only time that he will get a win against him. So, kind of a two for one deal as well on Saturday. But yes. yeah, kudos to him, man. He's been, uh, you know, Sharks fans have been waiting for it. They got it. So yes. good good on him for getting that monkey off his back. It's a game day. It's going to be intriguing. Um, right now, we possibly have two guests coming on for the Friday show. Um, it is game of the week. Jacksonville Sharks and the uh, San Antonio uh, Gunslingers. We will be having a San Antonio member on the show this week to talk to about the upcoming game Sunday afternoon. So get your Carrie Underwood uh, theme songs going for Sunday night football because this will be an NAL's version of Sunday night football. Uh, and, of course, the marquee games on Sunday night uh, tonight uh, this week. So that's exciting. Um, but, yeah, um, I want to just say again to the fans up north, way up north, uh, don't give up, support, don't abandon, 
support, come together, unite, right? Better things are coming in the future. Just remember, it's your team. Without you, there is no team. Get out there, support the team at all costs. Um, because, damn it, excuse my language. Um, I love this game, and I know there's a lot of fans up in Albany that are just like me who love this game and don't want to see it go away. Go out there and support your team. Go get your tickets now because um, I think that game, it's a very winnable game this weekend up there in Albany. We'll preview that again on Friday for game day. Yes, indeed. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of these, by the way, as I'm seeing some promotions, because uh, it is also Memorial Day weekend, so uh, not a bad time to go out and sell and enjoy some time with the family this weekend at a game. Going to be a lot of folks out and about. Arena football's uh, to us one of the be- better spring, summer, opp- summer, I would say, opportunities to have fun. So go out and enjoy one. Plenty of good op- plenty of good ones, too, um, that you'll be going out to. And I imagine you'll see a lot of these home games get military discounts and things like that, too, for folks to, you know, support, you know, support those that have served uh, mm-hmm. for a weekend to celebrate those that have served. And we'll talk a little bit more about that on game day as well. Uh, but, yeah, make sure, you know, if you're if you're looking for a game this weekend to go to, got plenty of good ones coming up. Uh, two battles, I think we're definitely going to be saying are crucial crucial and uh one that we're gonna keep an eye on because uh well owner player it's kind of a that's kind of a big deal i think still to me even whatever your opinion is an owner player claiming he's gonna be on the turf i gotta tune in so i'll i'll be i'll be at least uh having one screen open for that game nonetheless i think i'll about do it yeah mm-hmm. um say so actually do you want to talk about what's scrolling on the bar i guess we'll, we'll do that we've been You've been kind of talking with me on the side about this. and Oh, yes. You know. uh, Inside the Walls is going to launch a Patreon page here pretty soon. Um, the page is just for us, you listeners, to uh, you know interact with us more. Uh, more content, but the content on Patreon will still be available on YouTube and our podcast platforms. Nothing will change. Uh, the Patreon account just gives you guys... Uh, access to uh, some things that we want to do, some live streams, maybe covering a game, but having live streams where you hear me and Zach watching the game with you, you hear our reactions. It's just little quirks, nothing really, you know, outrageous. Uh, it's just for you guys to support. Also, we have a store coming soon. Uh, yeah. Two shirts that are guaranteed are coming soon in the muck and jack out of the box. Um, those are two t-shirts are coming soon as well. Of course, join our discord. Um, lot of stuff in there. A lot of, uh, nuggets, a lot of league information pops down there. Good community of fans there. Get to interact. You have your own sections for your own teams. Um, but yes, that's all coming soon. Um, the Patreon should be here pretty soon. Um, join again. It's just, uh, for you guys, the fans to get more content from the NAL, but remember, all the stuff that we do on Patreon will be available on all YouTube platforms as well. So you're not going to get any special, really special, special treatment. Um, this is a podcast with the official podcast of the league. So we have to, by our, our agreement, to give all the content out. But this is just an area where our listeners, our favor, our fans can um, be more attached to us and, you know, help us even, you know, get bigger um, supporting this league, but yes, well, it's, it's that's, and that's vital. We bring the, that he brings that up is that none of this is a mandatory thing. That is, if you, 
if you want to go an extra step that, that like if you want to help support the show a little further that's essentially what that is and we will reward you handsomely uh, with more items and more coverage is all, mm -hmm. but this is a completely optional thing. We want to stress that that is not a yeah. thing we are saying you got to do. So, but that is coming. Um, if you want to get a little more access for items, we'll kind of lay out details on that Patreon coming up soon. Uh, the t-shirts in particular though. Um, Hey, you know, we, as Jim is, as Jim and I have kind of gotten going, the muck is becoming more and more a normal thing in our community. So, uh, Definitely going to be hopping on that shirt. Jack out of the box. We're trying to bring that back more with every episode. So, you know, got to keep consistent with the brand. And there will be a t-shirt that will drop for the four seed team. Lords of the Muck will be the four seed team. So Lords that will be a t-shirt. Lords of the Muck. But yes. I love it. Yeah. Well, folks, I think that's going to do it. Um, we'll give you more details on that. Stay tuned later this week. We got our game day for week eight and it's amazing week eight. And we're not, we're still not even at halfway point of the seat of the season, but we got, yeah. it's coming close. It's still, it's, it's a little, it's closer, but we're not even halfway yet. That's what's funny. Uh, we've got plenty of good games coming up this week. You want to tune in for analysis and talk on that. Um, obviously more news is going to come out this week. So we'll touch on that when it comes and when it happens. So stay tuned to this channel or specifically to our inside the walls accounts at in walls pod. Uh, don't worry. Jim's going to be bringing you those hot, those hot nuggets in news. Of course, again, I call him the Adam Schefter of the NAL. He's, he's, he's plugged in in the know. He keeps things informed, keeps me definitely informed. <laughs> informed and ready for for things and i am very much along for the ride at this no matter what um without further ado though as i've said jim before we go we gotta remind the audience remember one thing before you go always remember one thing trayvon shorts needs to remember this one thing i still haven't forgotten <laughs> how dare you no, he's probably saying that as he watches the yeah, as he watches the show. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, what a way to end the show. Oh uh, <laughs> don't be a jack out of the box. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm pressing button. Dang it. All right, whatever. I got him riled up. We'll see you later. Catch you on Friday Friday for game day week eight edition. Don't go anywhere. You know where to watch when you want your favorite arena football content. It's here on Inside the Walls. Catch you later. How dare you? Come on. Get out of here. Click out. Covering all your favorite parts of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Heilman and Jim Bernier.